Chapter sixty two of the Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Proust. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter sixty two. In the beginning of the month Paofi, July, August, the Pharaoh, Queen Nicotris, and the court returned from Thebes to the palace at memphis toward the end of the journey which took place on the nile this time also rameses fell into meditation often and said once to tutmosis i notice a strange thing the people assemble on both banks as numerously and perhaps even more so than they did when we sailed up the river but their shouts are far weaker boats follow us in smaller numbers and flowers are thrown from them stingily divine truth flows from thy lips lord replied tutmosis indeed the people look wearied but great heat is the cause of that thou speakest wisely said the pharaoh in praise and his face brightened but tutmosis did not believe his own words he felt and what was worse the whole retinue felt that the masses of men had grown somewhat cool in their love for the pharaoh whether this came from tales of the unfortunate illness of the sovereign or from new intrigues tutmosis knew not he felt certain however that the priests had had influence in producing that coolness that is a stupid rabble thought he not restraining the contempt in his heart a short time ago they were drowning just to look at the face of his holiness and to-day they are sparing their voices have they forgotten the seventh day for rest or the land is property immediately after his arrival at the palace the pharaoh issued an order to assemble delegates at the same time he commanded officials devoted to him and also the police to begin an agitation against the priests and in favor of rest on the seventh day from labor soon there was a buzzing in lower egypt as in a beehive the common people claimed not only a day for repose but payment for public labor artisans in inns and on the streets abused the priests for wishing to limit the sacred power of the pharaoh the number of offenders increased but criminals would not appear before any court scribes grew timid and no one dared strike a common man knowing that he would avenge himself no one brought offerings to a temple stones and mud were hurled more and more frequently at the gods guarding boundaries and at times those gods were thrown down even fear fell on priests and nomarchs as well as their adherents in vain did judges announce on the high roads and squares that according to ancient laws laborers artisans and even merchants were not to busy themselves with politics which withdrew them from bread-giving labor the crowd amid shouts and laughter hurled rotten vegetables and date-skins at heralds meanwhile the most powerful gathered at the palace and prostrate before the pharaoh begged for deliverance we are cried they as if the ground were opening under us and as if the world were nearing its end the elements are in confusion men's minds are vexed and if thou lord wilt not rescue us our days are numbered my treasury is empty the army not numerous the police have seen no salary this long time replied the pharaoh if ye wish enduring peace and safety ye must find funds for me but since my heart is troubled by your fear i will do what i can and i hope to restore order 
In fact, His Holiness gave command to concentrate troops and dispose them at the most important points in the kingdom. At the same time, he ordered Nidagar to leave the eastern boundary to his assistant and come himself with five chosen regiments to Memphis. This he did not so much to protect aristocrats from common people as to have at hand strong forces in case the high priests incited to rebellion, Upper Egypt, and the troops attached to temples. On Paofi ten, there was a great movement in the palace and about it. The delegates who were to recognize the pharaoh's right to the treasures in the labyrinth had assembled. Also a multitude of men who wished at least to look at the place of a solemnity rare in Egypt. The procession of delegates began in the morning. In front went naked earth-tillers wearing white caps and girdles. Each held in his hand a piece of coarse cloth to cover his back in presence of the pharaoh. Next advanced artisans dressed like the earth-tillers, from whom they differed in wearing finer cloth and narrow aprons covered with party-colored embroidery. Third came merchants, some in wigs, all in long tunics and pelerines. Among them were some who had rich bracelets on their arms and legs and rings on their fingers. Next appeared officers in caps and wearing coats with girdles, which were black and yellow, blue and white, blue and red. Two, instead of coats, had bronze breastplates. After a long interval appeared thirteen nobles, wearing immense wigs and white robes which reached the pavement. After them advanced nomarchs in robes bordered with a purple stripe, and on their heads were coronets. The procession was closed by priests with shaven heads, and wearing panther skins over their shoulders. The delegates entered the great hall of the pharaoh's palace, where there were seven benches, one behind another, the highest for priests, the lowest for earth-tillers. Soon appeared in a litter his holiness, Ramesses Thirteenth, before whom the delegates fell on their faces. When the lord of both worlds had taken his seat on a lofty throne, he permitted his faithful subjects to rise and occupy their places. Now Herhor, Mephres, and the overseer of the labyrinth, the latter carrying a box, entered and took their seats on lower thrones. A brilliant suite of generals surrounded the pharaoh, behind whom stood two high officials with fans of peacock feathers. Truth-believing Egyptians, said the ruler of both worlds, it is known to you that my court, my army, and my officials are in such need that the impoverished treasury cannot overcome it. Of expenses concerning my sacred person I speak not, since my food and dress are like those of a warrior." Any general or chief scribe has more servants and women than I have. Among those assembled a murmur of assent was heard. Hitherto the custom has been, continued the pharaoh, that when the treasury needs funds, greater taxes are imposed on working people. I, who know my people and their needs, not only do not wish to add burdens, but would gladly lessen those which they now bear. Our Lord, may thou live through eternity! said some from the lowest benches. Happily for Egypt, said the pharaoh, our kingdom has treasures through which we may improve the army, pay officials, help the people, and even pay all debts which we owe either to the temples or Phoenicians. These treasures, collected by my glorious ancestors, are lying in the vaults of the labyrinth, but they can be taken only if all you right believers recognize as one man that Egypt is in need, and I, your lord, have the right to dispose of the treasures of my ancestors. 
"'We recognize, we entreat thee to take what is needed,' was the answer from all benches. "'Worthy Herhor,' said the ruler, turning to him, "'has the sacred priestly order ought to say in this question?' "'Very little,' answered the high priest, rising. "'According to ancient laws, the treasure of the labyrinth may be touched only when the state has no other means. Such is not the position at present. However, for should the government wipe away the Phoenician debts, which have risen from dishonest usury, not only would they fill thy treasury, holiness, but men working today for Phoenicians would have respite from grievous labor. On the benches of the delegates, approbation was heard now a second time. Thy advice is keen, O holy man, replied the pharaoh, but full of danger. Were my treasurer, the worthy nomarchs, and the nobles to erase what the state owes to creditors, they might omit one day to pay Phoenicians, the next day they might forget to pay sums due the temples and the pharaoh. Who will assure me that common men, encouraged by examples from the great, would not think that they, too, have the right to forget their duties toward the sovereign? The blow was so weighty that the most worthy her whore bent and was silent. And thou, chief overseer of the labyrinth, what hast thou to say? asked Rameses. I have a box here, replied the overseer, with white and black pebbles. Every delegate will receive two, and will put one of them into a pitcher. Whoso wishes thee, holiness, to break the treasure in the labyrinth, will put in a black pebble. Whoso wishes that the property of the gods be untouched, will put in a white one. Agree not, O lord, to that, whispered the treasurer to the sovereign. Let each delegate tell openly what he has on his soul. Let us respect ancient customs, interrupted Mephris. Yes, let them put pebbles into the pitcher, decided the pharaoh. My heart is pure, and my plans are unbending. Holy Mephris and Herhor exchanged glances. The overseer of the labyrinth and two generals went around the benches and gave a white pebble and a black one to each delegate. The poor men from the common crowd were confused much at seeing before them such great dignitaries. Some fell on the floor, did not dare to take the pebbles, and understood with great difficulty that they were to put only one pebble into the pitcher, a black or a white one. "'I wish to agree with the gods and his holiness,' whispered an old shepherd. At last the officials succeeded in explaining, and the common men in understanding what was needed. The voting began. Each delegate went to the pitcher and dropped in his pebble in such fashion that others did not see its color. Meanwhile, the chief treasurer knelt behind the throne and whispered, "'All is lost. If they had voted openly, we should have unanimity. But now may my hand wither if there will not be twenty white pebbles in the pitcher.' "'Be at rest, faithful servant,' replied Rameses with a smile. "'I have more regiments at hand than there will be voices against us.' "'But to what purpose? To what purpose?' sighed the treasurer. "'Without unanimity they will not open the labyrinth.' Rameses smiled all the time. The procession of delegates had finished. The overseer of the labyrinth raised the pitcher and poured out its contents on a golden tray. Of ninety-one pebbles, eighty-three were black, and only eight white. The generals and officials lost courage. The high priest looked at the assembly in triumph. But soon alarm seized them, for the face of Rameses had a gladsome expression. No one dared to declare openly that the plan of his holiness had been defeated. Right-believing Egyptians, my good servants, said the pharaoh with perfect freedom, ye have carried out my command, and my favor is with you. For two days ye will be guests in my house, 
ye will receive presents and return to your houses and labors peace and blessings be with you when he had said this he left the hall with his suite the high priests herhor and mefres gazed with a look of alarm at each other he is not troubled in any way whispered herhor ah i said that he is a raging wild beast replied mefres he will not hesitate at violence and if we do not anticipate the gods will defend us and our dwellings in the evening the most faithful servants of rameses the thirteenth assembled in his chamber the chief treasurer the chief scribe tutmosis and kalapos the commander-in-chief of the greek forces o oh, lord groaned the treasurer why not act like thy eternally living ancestors if the delegates had spoken openly we should now have a right to the treasure in the labyrinth his worthiness speaks the truth put in the chief scribe the pharaoh shook his head ye are mistaken if all egypt cried give the funds in the labyrinth the priests would not give them then why disturb the priests by summoning delegates this royal act has stirred them greatly and given insolence to common men who to-day are like a rising deluge i have no fear of this deluge said the pharaoh my regiments will be dams against it the advantage of this delegation is evident since it shows the weakness of my opponents eighty-three for us eight against us it proves that if they can count on one corps i can rely on ten yield not to illusions between me and the high priests war has begun already they are the fortress which we have summoned to surrender they have refused we must storm the fortress live forever cried tutmosis and kalapos command us said the chief scribe this is my will said rameses thou o treasurer wilt distribute one hundred talents among the police the overseers of the laborers and the mayors in the provinces of seft niha chent niha pechu sept het ah ament and ka in those same places you will give the innkeepers and the keepers of dram shops barley wheat and wine whatever is at hand so that common men may have meat and drink free of charge ye will do this immediately so there will be supplies wherever needed until the twenty-third of paofi the treasurer inclined to the pavement thou scribe wilt write and command to-morrow to herald forth in the streets of provincial capitals that barbarians of the western desert are advancing in great force to attack the province of fayum thou kalapos wilt dispatch four greek regiments southward two of these will halt at the labyrinth two will push on to haines if troops of the priests go from thebes ye will drive them back and not let them approach fayum if people are indignant at the priests and threaten the labyrinth thy greeks will occupy the edifice but if the overseers of the labyrinth refuse inquired kalapos that would be rebellion answered the pharaoh and continued thou tutmosis wilt send three regiments to memphis and post them near the temples of ta isis and horus if the enraged people wish to storm the temples the commanders of the regiments will open the gates to themselves will not admit common men to the holy places and will guarantee the persons of the high priests from insult there will be priests in the labyrinth and in the temples of memphis who will come forth to the army with green branches the commanders of regiments will ask those men for the password and will counsel with them but if they resist inquired tutmosis only rebels would refuse to obey commanders of the pharaoh answered rameses 
the temples and the labyrinth must be occupied by troops on the twenty-third of paofi continued the pharaoh turning to the chief scribe the people both in memphis and fayum may begin to assemble on the eighteenth at first in small groups then in increasing numbers but if slight disturbances begin about the twentieth they are not to be prevented the people are to storm the temples not earlier than the twenty-second and twenty-third and when troops occupy those points all must be quieted would it not be better to imprison herhor and mefres at once inquired tutmosis what for i am not concerned about them but the labyrinth and the temples for the occupation of which troops are not ready yet besides hiram who intercepted herhor's letters to the assyrians will return no sooner than the twentieth so only on the twenty-first of paofi shall we have proofs in our hands that the high priests are traitors and we shall announce their treason in public then am i to go to fayum inquired kalipos oh no thou and tutmosis will remain near me with chosen regiments we must have reserves in case the priests draw away a part of the people art thou not afraid of treason lord asked tutmosis the pharaoh waved his hand with indifference treason is always leaking out like water from a swollen barrel it will be difficult for the high priest to divine my plans while i know what they wish but as i have anticipated them in collecting forces they will be weaker regiments are not formed in a few days but enchantments inquired tutmosis there are no enchantments which an axe will not shatter said rameses laughing tutmosis wished at that moment to mention the tricks of the high priest with lykon but he was restrained by the thought that his lord would be very angry and lose calmness through which he was powerful on that day a chief before battle can think of nothing but action and there would be time enough for lykon's case when the priests were in prison at a sign from his holiness tutmosis remained in the chamber but the three other dignitaries made low obeisances and vanished at last sighed the chief scribe when he found himself with the treasurer in the antechamber at last the power of the shaven heads is ending indeed it is time said the treasurer during the last ten years any prophet had more power than the nomarch of thebes or of memphis i think that herhor is preparing in secret a boat in which to flee before the twenty-third of paofi put in kalipos what will be done to herhor said the scribe his holiness who is terrible to-day will forgive him when he is obedient and even leave him his property at the intercession of queen nicotris said the treasurer at all events there will be order in the state which for some time has been lacking but it seems to me that his holiness is making two great preparations said the scribe i should finish all with the greek regiments and not employ the people he is young he likes noise and uproar added the treasurer how clear it is that ye are not warriors said kalipos when it comes to battle we must concentrate all the forces for surprises are sure to happen they would happen if we had not the people behind us said the scribe but what unexpected thing can happen the gods will not come down to defend the labyrinth such is thy speech worthiness for thou art at rest answered kalipos thou knowest that the supreme chief is watching and is trying to foresee everything if that were not the case thy skin might creep i see no surprises contended the scribe unless the high priests are spreading reports again that the pharaoh is demented they will try various tricks added the treasurer yawning but in fact they have not strength enough 
In every case I thank the gods who put me in the pharaoh's camp. Well, let us go to sleep. After the dignitaries had left the chamber of the pharaoh, Tutmosis opened a secret door in one of the walls and led in Samantu. Rameses received the high priest of Set with great pleasure. He gave him his hand to kiss and pressed his head. Peace be with thee, good servant, said the sovereign. What dost thou bring me? I have been twice in the labyrinth, replied the priest. And dost thou know the way now? I knew it before, but this time I have made a new discovery. The treasure chamber may sink, people may be lost, and jewels be destroyed which are of the greatest value. The pharaoh frowned. Therefore, continued Semenu, be pleased, holiness, to have ready some tens of reliable men. With them I will enter the labyrinth on the night before the storm, and seize the chambers adjoining the treasury, especially the upper ones. Canst thou lead in men? Yes, though I will go alone, again to the labyrinth, and see absolutely whether we may not avert destruction unaided. Even the most faithful men are uncertain, and to introduce them at night might rouse the attention of those watchdogs. Are they not following thee now? asked the pharaoh. Believe me, lord, answered the priest, placing his hand on his breast, a miracle would be needed to follow me. Their blindness is almost childlike. They feel that someone wants to invade the labyrinth, but the fools have doubled the guard at the ordinary gateways. Meanwhile, in the course of a month, I have discovered three hidden entrances. These they have forgotten, or perhaps they know nothing about them. Only some spirit could warn those guardians that I traverse the labyrinth, or indicate the room in which I may find myself. Among three thousand chambers and corridors, this is impossible. The worthy Semen, too, speaks truth, said Tutmosis, and perhaps we employ too much keenness against these priestly reptiles. Do not say that, replied the priest. Their strength, as compared with that of his holiness, is as a handful of sand in comparison with the temple. But Herhor and Mephres are very wise, and they may use weapons against us, and means before which we shall be dumb with amazement. Our temples are full of secrets which will arrest even sages, and bring down to the dust the courage of the multitude. Wilt thou tell us something of that? inquired the pharaoh. I will say first that the warriors of your holiness will meet with wonders in the temples. In one chamber torches will quench in their hands, in another flames and disgusting monsters will surround them. In one place a wall will stop the way, or a gulf will open before their feet. In some corridors water will cover them, in others invisible hands will throw stones at them, and such thunders, such voices will be heard round about. In every temple I have partisans among the younger priests, and thou wilt be in the labyrinth, said the pharaoh. But our axes, said Tutmosis, he is a poor soldier who draws back before flames or frightful pictures, or who loses time listening to mysterious voices. Thou speakest well, chief, cried Samentu. If ye go ahead valiantly, terrors will vanish, voices cease, and flames burn no longer. Now my last word, lord, said the priest, turning to Rameses, if I perish, do not speak thus, interrupted the pharaoh quickly. A young priest of Set will come to thee, holiness, with my ring. Let the army occupy the labyrinth and expel the overseers, and let them not leave the building. For that young priest, in the course of a month, perhaps, or even earlier, will find the way to the treasures with the indications which I will leave him. But, lord, continued Samentu, kneeling down, I implore thee for one thing. When thou shalt conquer, avenge me, and above all, pardon not Mephres and Herhor. 
thou knowest not what enemies they are if they win thou wilt perish not only thou but the dynasty but does not magnanimity become a victor inquired the pharaoh gloomily no magnanimity no favor cried samentu as long as they live we are threatened thou and i with death with shame even with insult to our corpses it is possible to fondle a lion to buy a phoenician to win the attachment of a libyan and an ethiopian it is possible to win favor from a chaldean priest for he like an eagle soars above heights and is safe from missiles but an egyptian prophet who has tried power and luxury thou wilt win with nothing only his death or thine can end the conflict samentu speaks truth said tutmosis happily not his holiness but we the warriors will decide the ancient struggle between the priests and the pharaoh end of chapter sixty two recording by dion gines salt lake city utah